This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. What has been set in motion cannot be undone. We must recognize today that conservatives have ceded ground to the left to a rabid horde intent on reframing and reshaping our nation and our world around a desolate, craven ideology. We must continue to fight. Use every weapon at our disposal. A Park Avenue party hosted by the New York Young Republicans Club. Surprisingly strong performance in New York State. This bizarre world event. From this incredibly radicalized pro-Trump, pro-insurrection crew. Eerily reminiscent of the cantina scene from Star Wars gather together some of the leading denizens of the radical right. New York Republicans have maybe figured something out. The five-hour FET was a veritable who's who. Let's pick apart this event. We must be prepared to do battle in every arena, in the media, in the courtroom, at the ballot box, and in the streets. This particular event, for me, is alarming. For all those Republicans who pretended. We want more offenses. We want flanking maneuvers. We want to cross the Rubicon. We want total war. They're calling for war. A more effective, more bloody, more deadly language of war and insurrection and blood and arms. This is the only language the left understands. Separate the enemy and destroy the enemy. Bloodshed that the bullets would have been flying into the brains of two blatant acts of war. We shall answer with acts of war. They say they're at war. Engaging in incredibly serious uh, language. The language of pure and unadulterated power. Young Republicans, they, they are essentially setting up the next generation. And we have to take that very seriously. The only thing that will possibly teach these people a lesson is electoral defeat. We have to examine why it is people like this continue to get elected. To militant intimidation from the security state, we shall answer with militant perseverance. And that means not giving them any uh, quarter, not giving them any inch about this stuff, where they're organizing. Uh, we need to know what they're doing. And we need, to, we need to know what they're talking about. We shall answer with our discipline, our spirit, our faith, our passion. They better be held criminally accountable. So the next Republican who flips a Democratic seat thinks twice. Our victory will require nothing less than the sanguine sacrifice of both patriots and tyrants. There's not talking about anything that would uh, improve people's, uh, you know, their pocketbooks, their this or that. No more kvetching about what is fair. Fight, win, govern. And when we secure power once more, we must govern with a ruthless efficiency. We don't have a New York minute to waste. We demand nothing short of a complete and total national renewal. Invigorate our unifying legacy of manifest destiny to reclaim everything from Plymouth Rock to the Pacific Ocean, to the dark side of the moon and beyond. Okay, we're honored now to have uh, Gavin Wax, uh, the president of Vish Burra, his uh, writing wingman uh, of the New York Young Republicans Club. Obviously, a, uh, a, a an incredible event on Saturday night. Mainstream media, and particularly MSNBC and the New York Times, have gone in complete and total meltdown. So I want to start with Gavin and Vish. We're going to bring you in here in one second. Um, Gavin, explain, what is the New York Young Republicans Club? Because they made it seem like in, in all the coverage that it's some coven of, of, uh, of the radical fringe. I believe it's one of the most prestigious clubs in, in the country as far as politics go, sir. Absolutely, Steve. Uh, this is the oldest and largest young Republican club in the country. Uh, we have a legacy going back to 1856 with the founding of the party. Uh, this club invited Abraham Lincoln to speak uh, at, at the Stuyvesant Institute at first Cooper Union speech, which launched his presidential campaign. And uh, the current iteration of the club was founded in 1911. And it has been, uh, you know, the, the West Point of the Republican Party for many decades, uh, creating many uh, of its future leaders, senators, even presidents, 
uh, you name it. Our alumni list is uh, almost too long to count, um, but it's certainly a prestigious organization, an old institution, and uh, we are the largest of any such club in the country with over 1,200 dues-paying members. Uh, and we're very proud of that fact, and we're also proud of the fact that we are stalwarts uh, for America first, and if that makes us radicals, then so be it. Vish, that's it. We call, when Gavin says you're the West Point of a really young Republicanism throughout the country, uh, having sp spoken at a number of young Republican events and other events throughout the country, you guys have a certain, let's say this, angle of attack, right? It's, it's, it's uh, very America first, um, very MAGA. How has that come up in the heart of New York City from a lineage that has Abraham Lincoln uh, at the Cooper Union. It has Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, and some of the awards you, you gave out were, you know, the D John Foster Dulles, Alan Dulles, guys who are revered in certain elements, but would be considered today part of the rogue elements of the administrative state, the deep state. How, how did this group, because the, all the speeches, your two speeches, we're going to play both of them separately probably this week sometime, were quite powerful. Uh, but there, the whole evening was MAGA in America first. So how did you guys, what did you do to turn this, not just into the West Point, but almost the special forces operation branch of the MAGA movement, sir? So, Steve, we took, you know, a, a very simple sort of reverse engineering approach. What we had was a club that has a massive amount of prestige built into it over a hundred years of history. That is something you can't fake. That is something you can't just build up overnight. And so with that being the sort of shell or the sort of body that we use, the engine that we inserted is the America first sort of modern engine of the approach to media and the approach to breaking into the conversation and breaking into the ether. And with the way to do that is to be very public about it. In New York, bright lights, big city, if you want to shine, you got to, you got to be the biggest, you got to be the brightest. And this is New York City. If we All we do is hustle. And so if you're not moving faster than a New York minute, you're not going to get anything done. And so the sort of confluence of these elements that we've sort of put together and injected into and created in, as the engine of this club with massive prestige around it, we're able to move not only quickly, but with the heavy hand of history behind our side, so, uh, or behind, behind our back. So when we, uh, with the, all those elements being in place, this club ultimately what it is, is it, it's a war band of, of patriots. It is where patriots come to develop and cultivate their skills. The number one priority of the New York Young Republican Club for its history is the cultivate, cultivation of human capital, the cultivation of patriot capital. And that is what we're focused on here. And that's what we do best. And we set an example for the nation at large. Speaking about human capital, uh, Gavin, uh, of course, MSNBC made uh, the the um, your speeches, which resonated with great imagery and, and great force. Of course, they took it. All oh, these guys are just insurrectionists and bloody and whatever. It was really a clarion call of political warfare, which is what we do here in the United States. There's two different systems. You have the Demo or two different parties, the Democrats and the Republicans, and you have a MAGA wing uh, and a deplorable wing of the Republican Party. Also, we take in many independents and former Bernie bros, et cetera. But I want to go back to your speech specifically. You, you talked about always being on offense. You talked about every element, whether it's legal, whether it's media, whether it's political, whether it's getting people out, a comprehensive vision of how we're, one, to save the country, but as important, offer an agenda that can turn the country around. Walk me through uh, the, the, the basic center of gravity of your speech. Right. Well, absolutely. There is no uh, constituency out there that is looking for a milk toast version of the Democrat Party. They're not looking for Democrat light. They're looking for a holistic, 
world vision. They want to see what your vision is of the future, how you're going to improve their lives, how you're going to fight to improve their lives. And uh, for far too long, Republicans, uh, especially in blue states, have thought that the only way to electoral victory uh, is to move on the margins, to offer just, you know, subtle changes of policy, subtle decreases in the tax uh, rate, all these kind of minute details, rather than providing a full holistic vision for an American national and spiritual renewal, uh, which was sort of the core of the speech. And to get there, we need to be prepared to fight, fight like we are in a war, using all the weapons at our disposal, fighting a multi-front war in these different arenas and all of the above approach. And for far too long, Republicans have been content uh, to lose with their uh, held, their, their head uh, held high. And we just don't want that approach anymore. We want to get dirty. We want to get into the trenches. We want to punch back, punch back hard and wage a full-on offensive against the left in this country. And that goes beyond just politics. That goes beyond just the electoral system. That's in the culture. That's in the media. That's in the courtroom. This is a holistic, multi-front war that we are waging. And that was sort of the the the, the thesis of the speech, if you will. Uh, and the left has completely spun it and completely <laughs> turned it into something it's not because they're not used to listening to speeches that have passion anymore. They're not used to speak uh, people speaking truth to power and speaking about things that come from the heart. They're used to corporate and consultant approved speeches that are not they're no, nothing but nonsense and drivel and platitudes and boilerplate, you know, uh, you know, talking points. This was a speech full of energy, full of passion, vicious as well. I think he was channeling uh, Jeremiah Wright with some of his speech. But uh, th this is what people want to hear. They want this sort of red meat. They want that sort of energy and they want action. And we're sick of hearing about the the complaining, uh, the kvetching uh, and all the talk about double standards. We know that. We already know the situation we in. We, we know the battles that have to be fought. We know we're on the back foot. We don't need to complain about the situation. We need just to get our head held high and push on and fight forward. And currently Republican leadership, most Republican electeds are not prepared for this because just the amount of press that we have gotten the last three days would send most Republican elected officials and party officials packing, which just shows they have no backbone and they're not prepared uh, for the fights that lie ahead to save our country and to save our republic. Fish, you were one of the early on producers here at the at the War Room, uh, basically in War Room impeachment and in, in early days of of uh, of uh, War Room pandemic. You then worked for Gates, so you've had experience on the Hill. You've had experience in in the War Room. You've had obviously a lot of experience with Gavin and the team up there. Is Gavin's message? Is what he said? Is that because I was I was pleasantly shocked at the uh, at the the amount of young professionals, and I would say under 30 professionals, Wall Street, law firms, uh, in media, uh, people that have uh, have gone to the, the top schools, or if they didn't go to the top schools, have been the best at the schools they went to, that have come to the hardest place to make it on earth, a, a place that's Darwinian as far as careers go, in the best, the best rise to the top, and that's New York City. Uh, I was I was incredibly blown away by the quality, and I've gone, you know, I think I went a couple of years ago and got an award. The, the increase, in, in back then it was great, but it gets better, uh, you know, geometrically. Is Gavin's message sellable throughout the nation to young professionals under 30, sir? It absolutely is, Steve. At the end of the day, what we lack is the talent that is involved in the political sphere, in the cultural sphere, in the uh, legal sphere, and everything else. And we have a unique opportunity in New York City that we attract such talented people here in the first place for other reasons that aren't politics, that aren't uh, you know, uh, related to getting involved. But they are people still there's Republicans, there are Democrats who are also very professional and very talented. They need a place to go. And eventually, once they are educated and trained on not just what the fight is, but how to fight, then you can pluck those folks out of the private sphere and get them into fighting for America. And we serve as the hub and spoke for that effort and initiative for the entire future. We're cultivating future donors here. We're cultivating future operatives here. We're cultivating future candidates here. We're cultivating future movie stars here. We're cultivating future poets, writers, you name it. And we here we have the access to the best young talent. And that is what gives us the edge. And there are, at the very least, big, large cities across the United States 
that can use some of the methods and techniques. The final product, the execution, might look different in each state, but the methods, the algorithms on how to create the sort of scene that produces young talent and young, good-looking talent who are conservative and ready to fight and capable at the end of the day, every big city, I believe, has the opportunity to do that if it's done right. And Steve, I would just say that this is about creating parallel structures, the, t the same type of structures that people created uh, in the, uh, in the, under the Iron Curtain in, in Eastern Europe to fight against their communist uh, regimes and against the Soviet Union. We are in a similar type of fight today with all the institutions of power being controlled uh, by the leftist orthodoxy, whether it's the media, whether it's academia, whether it's uh, you know, all corporate America, the corporate boardrooms. And you talked about the young professionals you saw. They are looking for an outlet. They are are looking for parallel structures to build social networks, to create friendships, to create bonds, and to be part of a community and a family that will enable them uh, to actually still believe and hold on to the values that they, were, that they were either raised with or that they have come to believe. And without these types of institutions deep behind enemy lines in a place like New York, they would be free to be you know, taken advantage of by the left and brought under the left's you know, uh, completely totalitarian spell, which seems to be happening everywhere. And that's why we cannot abandon the cities, because it's the cities that set the call. Culture. It's the cities that dictate, you know, corporate America, the decisions that are made in finance, the decisions that are made in the legal profession, the decisions that are made in media. That's why these places, these cities, you know, maybe from an electoral standpoint, they may be lost. But from all these other aspects, we have to keep fighting. And the New York Young Republican Club will be that bastion, that uh, that uh, bulwark, if you will, against leftism and its complete and total control. When I take uh, the awards you gave, the quality of people there, I add the two speeches by, by you two guys and just what, how you've talked today, the way the media responded, and particularly saying communism behind enemy lines. I hear a phrase when I hear in speeches, and I absolutely hate this phrase about, from a, a guy that I revere and I've made a number of films uh, about, Ronald Reagan. I think he says they always come and say, you know, we got to we got to paint in bold colors, not pale pastels. And it's always in a speech that's been nothing but pale pastels. Right. Yours was not just bold colors. It was up in your grill. Has anybody in the Republican apparatus reached out to you guys since you had this to say, wow. That was bracing. That was kind of bold. That wasn't pale pastels. Anybody that of all the people that use that phrase all the time at the end of a pale pastel speech with pale pastel policies, has anybody reached out to you, Gavin? Well, it's it's sad because I would say most of the Republican apparatus and infrastructure in this state is uh, totally against us and what we do. And every time we have an event like this, every time we make headlines and we push the Overton window, all they can do is uh, is squeal and cry and, and, and complain. And uh, they were certainly complaining about our event. Uh, I heard a lot of murmurs through the grapevine, in particular the Brooklyn GOP, you know, was calling for me to apologize and to issue a statement for holding such an event, uh, that this is an embarrassment to the Republican Party, that this is an embarrassment to Republicans and that they should never have been doing this. All this sort of, you know, weakness and all this sort of pathetic type of talk from these cowards uh, who don't understand how to win, who don't understand how to fight, and who have been leading our decline, both as a party and a city and a state, for decades. And then we have a group, a group such as ours, renegades, if you will, that are coming out onto the stage, that are actually growing the party in a real tangible way, that are throwing these massive events, a quarter million dollar gala. You know, we're having five, six hundred people attend. We have thousands of members. And uh, they all they can do is complain because they get hit pieces. Well, I've never heard of anyone having a hit piece that wasn't effective. The left attacks you when you're effective. The media attacks you when you're effective. They're not going to attack the Brooklyn GOP or any of these local county organizations or these local officials or these congressmen or whoever because they're not effective. These are people that go along to go along. They just want to get invited to the parties. They want to just have their little title, have their little position, get their paycheck, get their pension, and go off quietly into the night. And that's what we talked about in my speech, at least, that you know we don't need people that are going to sell this country out short just for their pension, for their benefits, for their little salary. We need people that are going to be elected to office to fight. And we're fighting. We're not getting paid to do so. We're at the forefront. And, you know, they should probably take a cue or two from us, uh, because if they did, they would be seeing the sort of popularity we are seeing. They would be seeing the kind of growth, the kind of online, you know, viralness of our of our content and the sort of following that me and Vish have been able to generate. Uh, and we're not even elected officials, you know, and our followings you know, are bigger than many of the elected officials and the party officials in this city or state. So 
it, it's clearly a formula that works, and we've demonstrated that. So it's sort of sad that they continue to use, as uh, Ronald Reagan and yourself just said, the pale pastel approach, uh, which is pathetic. And they're the same people who are going to constantly quote Reagan and, you know, you know, this zombie version of Reaganism, this zombie Reaganism, the Republican Party. And they're going to ignore the populist energy, this national populism that is really being bred, not just in the Rust Belt towns of the Midwest and all the other places that the blue wall broke, but also in the outer boroughs of New York, which gave us Donald Trump. He is a man from Queens, after all. And it is the outer boroughs of New York, of this city, uh, that is really the avant-garde of the uh, the next generation of the political ethos of the Republican Party. And that is national populism. It's this working class coalition that are pushing back against this sort of neoliberal elite that exists in both parties. And I think that's why they're upset. They realize that there is a realignment coming, not just nationally, but and, and inter-party, but intra-party, and they're scared of it, and they realize that maybe their days are numbered, uh, and you know can't come soon enough, as far as I'm concerned, Steve. <laughs> Vish, how do people get to? I know you're a content creator. How do people get to all the content of the New York Young Republicans Club? How can they see your speeches and all the background policies, all the all the uh, all the other content you guys have up there? Where do they go? You could go to the uh, New York Young Republican Club website. That is nyyrc.com. Uh, we're looking for donations. Again, n everybody at the club is unpaid. We are just volunteers, a network of patriots who do this out of love and commitment to the country. So any donations, we, we would really appreciate it for our efforts here. For our content, follow us on Twitter at NYYRC, on Getter at NYYRC. Uh, I think we're on Truth Social as well at NYYRC. We have a Rumble page that we put up all the speeches. We have YouTube, but I think uh, we're going to need to get rid of YouTube or something. But, uh, yeah, find us at NYYRC, New York Young Republicans. And, 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 and Vish, what, Vish, what is your and Gavin's uh, personal uh, coordinates on social media so people can follow you two guys individually? My, mine is uh, on Twitter, at Vish Burra, uh, on Truth Social, at Vish, on Getter, at Vish Burra. And uh, mine is at Gavin Wax, G-A-V-I-N-W-A-X. That's on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, everything, you name it. And uh, we definitely appreciate a follow. Uh, incredible uh, event, guys. Keep fighting on. Incredible event, incredible organization, and two incredible young men. Thank you very much for joining us in the war room. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Gavin Wax. and. Gavin Wax and Vish Burrow, um, two guys who are leaving their marks. You're going to hear a lot more from them in the future. Let's go to Dr. Paul Alexander. Dr. Alexander, um, I've wanted to have you on here for a while, given the book, given what's happening, the revelations we're seeing at Twitter, coupled with uh, what uh, Ron DeSantis did yesterday and really throwing down against Fauci. Uh, my question to you, as we've now seen Elon Musk and gone through a couple weeks of Twitter, does what is what has happened reinforce your theory of the case? Because you were an insider for our audience that doesn't know Dr. Alexander, which I don't think many people don't. He was actually part of the Trump administration. He was actually put in there, reached out to, I think it was by Ben Carson or somebody to actually come in and be a, an insider that could help craft the response to the CCP COVID virus. Is what's happened over the last couple of days, and we have about three minutes in this segment, I'm going to hold you over. Has it reinforced the theory, uh, the thesis of your book, that this was a, essentially a coup by the biomedical uh, security apparatus to remove Donald J. Trump as president of the United States? Uh, yes, Stephen. Thanks again for having me on your show. Beautiful, beautiful segment. Listen, I am America first, and I am with Vision Day. If they punch, we punch them back harder. And what I'm trying to tell the reader and to the population is this. President Trump was hollowed out from on the inside that these agencies, Fauci, Burks, uh, Han, CDC, NIH, FDA, these people conspired and worked against him to undercut and subvert him. So they spoke to me, people in the administration on both sides and in the deep state told me bluntly, our role every day is to undercut Trump to slow walk him, to make his response look ungovernable, unmanageable, chaotic. That's what they did President Trump with the pandemic, all of them. And that's why I wrote the book, because I want to talk to people. And yeah, I, I know the argument about November 3rd and the votes and stolen votes and all of that. But I also want to let you know something. 
the lockdowns that Fauci and Burks implemented. It wasn't President Trump. He took guidance from them. He was not a scientist or a doctor. He trusted them, and they failed him, and they undercut him, and they knew why they undercut him. They knew why they were there. Their job was to damage his re-election, and they did it. How, why would these professionals at the highest level, and Burks is brought in too, what would be, we've got about a minute and a half, what would be their motivation? What motivated them to decide pretty quickly, we got to get, Trump is not our guy, we got to get rid of Trump? Because, because in January 2020, the internal polls were showing Trump was unstoppable. Trump was on path to win almost 400 electoral votes. Trump was on path to win about 42 states. There was no one on the Republican side, no one on the Democrat side. So they had to take him out. And they used this pandemic. You see, you have to be able to accept that this virus didn't start in February 2020. This was circulating before. It is my belief and understanding, A, that this was a lab manufacturing virus, pathogen. But the key is they used it. They detected it for the first time in February and March to undercut Trump and to hobble his presidency. And they did that with lie after lie and deception to the public, with the asymptomatic transmission lie, recurrent infection lie, PCR test lie, natural immunity inferior to vaccinal immunity lie, no early treatment lie. They lied. Equal risk of severe outcome. That was a lie. Every single thing they used was a lie to remove him. Why? Because he was potent. He did good. Trump, you have to judge Trump, Steve, by one year. Not the first two. Paul Ryan undercut him and not year four. That was pandemic. President Trump achieved what he did in year three. And he would have gone down as the greatest president in one year. 19. Yes. Brilliant. Dr. Alexander, hang on uh, for one second. We're going to reboot you and take a short break. Dr. Paul Alexander returns after a short commercial break. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a small retail business almost $80,000. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a manufacturing business nearly two hundred and fifty grand. And COVIDtaxrelief.org just got a large distribution business almost $900,000. If you run a business, church, or nonprofit and paid your employees through all or part of the pandemic, you could qualify for up to $26,000 per employee through the government's CARES Act. But beware of clickbait or pay upfront companies who make you do the work and take a huge percentage of your refund. COVIDtaxrelief.org receives a low reasonable commission only after you receive your refund. And with 300 CPAs and tax experts, no one is better at getting you the maximum benefit than COVIDtaxrelief.org. Visit COVIDtaxrelief.org now because this plan expires soon. That's COVIDtaxrelief.org, COVIDtaxrelief.org. The refund examples are not a guarantee and not all businesses qualify. That's why you have to check today with COVIDtaxrelief.org. Years have proven that we need to be prepared. We constantly see government overreach, attacks on our communication and energy grid, worldwide conflict, natural disasters, and the never-ending assault on our security and privacy. Having reliable communications is essential. Now, don't get caught without reliable communication. And I'm here to tell you, your fragile cell phone simply won't cut it. It will not cut it. That's why I've partnered with the Satellite Phone Store, so you can stay prepared and assure your vital communication stays private. They're one of America's largest satellite telephone companies with thousands of happy, well-prepared customers. Right now, they have a special promotional offer when you go to sat123.com slash Bannon. That is sat, S-A-T, 123.com slash Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N. Get a free Amerisat satellite phone. 150 monthly minutes, free United States domestic number, and free rollover minutes for only $99.95 plus tax per month with an annual agreement. Now go to SAT, that's S-A-T, 
sat123.com, sat123.com slash Bannon, and get your device today. Don't put it off. Life can change in an instant. That's sat123.com slash Bannon. Do it today. Take action. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome back. Dr. Alexander, uh, your book, Presidential Takedown, which I've had an opportunity now to read twice, uh, and I did a page flip. You got Mike Pence's book and your book, and when you do a page flip, they're like books from two different universes. Uh, 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 Mike Pence says Deborah Burks was amazing. She was saying he ran the task force basically with Fauci. Everything they did was correct. Everything they did, they did all this analysis for the lockdowns, all of it. It was all dead spot on. They essentially saved the nation. And Trump kind of wanders in and out of his book as kind of some sort of, you know, nice but grumpy uncle who's not particularly too bright and kind of got to be, they got to really kind of dumb it down so he understands things. Your book's the exact opposite. So who is right, sir? I think I am, and I think she will show it. She will show that President Trump was probably one of the most brilliant presidents there and um, highly educated individual. You see, Steve, the problem here is Trump was not a scientist. He's not a doctor, clinical doctor, but he was a quick study. But he trusted. That's the key. He trusted the people around him. He even said at some point he inherited these people, like Fauci and these people. He trusted them. He trusted Redfield. He trusted Fauci. He trusted Han. But these people, they were not serving him optimally. These people were working behind the scenes against him so that they made, it's almost like they committed harikari. They, they enacted a devastating, hobbled and doomed pandemic response so that they could damage him. And that's what they did. And that's the argument. So when Pence talks about Burks and they, they are not optimal people. These are, Burks and Fauci are probably the two most inept, incompetent public servants I've ever come across. And that was, that was felt and taught within the agencies. That's across Washington. So the reality is what Pence has done in the book is a disservice. And President Trump gave him the nod to run as his partner, as vice president. That's not the way you respond. And I would have to say, look, we looked at all of the science team. Every single lockdown failed. Every school closure failed. Every mask mandate every business closure, the entire lockdown response was lunacy. It failed. That task force was a clown car. It was a joke. And these people should be ashamed. And I want proper, proper tribunals, proper legal inquiries of all involved, every single person. I don't care who you are. I want you investigated once you had a hand in this. Because the reality, Steve, is many Americans, thousands died because of the lockdown lunacy, because of what we did people in those hospitals, our grandparents, our parents, many people were killed by these policies, especially children. We had children across America committing suicide because of the school closures. Trump was fighting the unions, fighting CDC. I knew because I was there, I was fighting them too, me and Scott Atlas. We were waging war, but we were dealing with the media too. But it was vicious inside of there. Their one goal, one goal, was to destroy President Trump, period. That's it, every single day, 24-7. He, I cannot recall an individual in government that dealt with what he dealt with now seven years, one year in 2015, four years of his presidency, now two years after presidency. They impeached him twice for nothing, and they won't stop. They're like, they're deranged. Seven years you hung this guy down. You vilified his wife, the first lady, his son, his family. Why? This guy just wanted to do good by America. As far as I was concerned, and for as far as what we saw, what we saw was a president destined to be the greatest, one of the greatest, if not in history. But I have to say it as it is. Between Fauci, Burks, that task force, the deep state, they worked against him. Deborah Burks wrote in her book 
that I slow walked and I did not provide them the data and the evidence. I don't know how she was able to write that in her book, but she said it. That's what they did daily. I want people to read your book. How do they get to your website? How do they get to you on social media? How do they get to this book, Presidential Takedown? But look, the book is being sold on Amazon and it's, it's doing really, really well at this point. Um, I worked with um, um, Skyhorse. These guys, Kent Hef Peck and Lively and Tony Lance, uh, they did the Fauci, um, the John Kennedy book. Um, you can get me at, um, so the book, Presidential Takedown, How They Toppled President Trump, it's on Amazon. You can reach me at my uh, substack, Alexander COVID News. That's Alexander COVID News. Plus, I have a website, drpaulalexander.com. No spaces, drpaulalexander.com, where I provide my running commentary on the COVID response thus far and society moving forward. How do we move forward? And I really like, I really like Ron DeSantis. Look, I, I would go with either. Once we know who's getting the nod, we will rally behind them and put them back into the White House. But President Trump. Yeah, I, I want to have we're, we're going to have you back. Yeah, we're going to have you back on in the next couple of days. I want to take a separate time to go through the DeSantis uh, conference because yes. I think this and I think we're going to have Dr. Latipo on tomorrow. But Dr. Alexander, we'll have you back on. I want to take time and go through that. But I want thank people to read much. presidential takedown. So thank you for appreciate it, brother. Derek Harvey, uh, a legend. Um, you, you came and you actually, people don't know this, but at the White House, you were central. You came up from Devin Nunez staff. You were absolutely central to warning President Trump about the national security state and about the focus of the national security state to destroy him out of the box. And you were so prescient that later, including this, some of the names you and your uh, partners at the White House when you were at the National Security Council were delivering. Did you ever think, and when you hear Paul Alexander and you hear Paul Alexander's, you read his book and you talk about Burks, you talk about Fauci, could you have believed at the time that the administrative state would have a biomedical security state that was as probably as aggressive in trying to thwart the president's actions and maybe, as Paul Alexander argues, take him down, sir? Unfortunately, you know, I was at the House Permanent Select Committee of Intelligence when the COVID issue started to come to fore. And, you know, we became aware of serious issues probably late December, early January of 2020, early January 2020, at least some warning signs. And it was pretty clear to us by January, February, March, as this started to get, get going, that the intelligence community that was taking a look at the COVID issues worldwide and providing the reporting at CIA, the DNI, the daily intelligence updates to the president, the information that was being produced by DIA. This had a narrative that seemed to be at odds with other data that was in the intelligence channels. So, we, you know, what was happening with NIH and CDC seemed to be in lockstep with the narrative that seemed to be being created by these organizations. But alternative voices, alternative analysis, a red team, an A team, B team, when they had solid evidence to suggest that there was a lab leak origin, that there was not the lethality to all age groups equally, that you know, when you looked at Africa, you looked at Central America, you looked at Sweden that were handling things differently, that type of, of information was being squashed in the intelligence community assessments that were being disseminated. And it was trying, they were trying to shape one narrative and not looking at this in an objective way and asking the questions and being really curious to make sure that we were getting the analysis right. And, and that was a, a challenge, you know, and, and so is it the administrative state? Is it the deep state? Um, I don't know what the right name is for it, but there was a uniform approach to try and shape this president's uh, response in a way that was probably going to do the most harm to the American economy and therefore the president's political fortunes. One time I remember having a conversation with you and you said something that was one of the most powerful things I've ever heard in Washington. And uh, we were talking about President Trump and his program and why it was meeting such massive resistance inside the government. And you said, Steve, look, 
this is you're seeing the managed decline of our nation by the elites in every aspect, whether it's healthcare or education or the border. You can look at any aspect you want. We are in a country in managed decline by the elites. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that they so detest Trump. Tell our audience uh, what you meant by that. And do you still stick by that? I still stick by it because whether it's called the uniparty elite, the globalist uh, you know, agenda that's driving them, they're going to be taken care of. You know, the Wall Street, the venture capitalists, they're making money investing in China. China really needs American capital. When that capital goes to China, it's not available, available to American investors. They're going to be taken care of. But who does not get taken care of? The people who are voting for Trump, the factory workers, the people in car, in, in, uh, car factories, uh, you know, even in agriculture. You know, these types of industries, you know, where Trump got so much support across the old Rust Belt and, you know, in the blue collar areas of America, their national security, their economic security was not number one. Our military security, when we're investing in, in Chinese military developments that are going to benefit their artificial intelligence, their rocket propulsion, their um, supersonic capabilities, their satellite capabilities, autonomous driving, all of these things are to the benefit of them in China, not to the American national security. This globalist agenda and people in the woke community, and we've heard this all the time, the American standard of living needs to decline. We're taking too much for us, for, for the Americans. So we need to manage the decline and, and, have, and try to have a soft landing. But the, that's what this inflation is about in many ways. You know, the expectation is not to, to really fight inflation. You know, the high fuel oil prices, gas prices, changing the economy, this is to change our standard of living and bring America closer to, you know, the, you know, the middle of what the world citizenry, how they live. Okay. And that's, that's a plan on their, on their part, in my view, because they don't believe that America should be this superpower, this model and be benefiting when so many other places in the world are not doing well. And this is also part of why they want to bring in tens of millions of people into this country and allow them to flow in illegally. Uh, it's this globalist agenda uh, that they don't believe in national borders even. Let's talk about, we got about three minutes left. I want to talk to you about Brazil because you're one of the smartest minds out there. You've seen Lula, the transnational criminal. You know his involvement with the CCP. Uh, it looks like tonight the nation may be on an edge. How important is it for, in, for geostrategically us to have Brazil not as uh, under the control of Lula. You've had Jake Sullivan go down there and others. But the, 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 what Bolsonaro was talking about as someone who's not a communist uh, in Latin America, is Latin America now an entire nation, the entire uh, subcontinent on the edge, sir? Well, it is. Brazil is is in a real fight there. Uh, you look in Central America, you look at, at the embrace of, of Venezuela, for, for goodness sakes, by this administration, um, what's going on in Mexico and in the Caribbean. And one common denominator is the Biden administration's uh, default position to sort of, not sort of, to step away from potential friends and allies that should be naturally aligned with us or the their avoidance of standing up for American national security and economic interests. But they're opening the door for China, particularly in places like Brazil and Central America and some of the Caribbean nations. You know, and China wants to get into these areas, okay? And we are not doing what we can to uh, impede them. And we are undermining our allies and our friends and our national interests in these areas. Colonel Harvey, how do people uh, get to you now that you're now that you're uh, now that you're retired and you're you've taken on a political aspect and know you're getting involved in politics in uh, in Western Maryland? How do people follow you? How do people follow you? Get your thinking, because I keep telling people you're one of the smartest guys in all of the nation's capital. Well, I'm at DerekHarvey.org, and that's a regular Web page. Then VoteDerekHarvey.com. Uh, and that it has a both of those have contact uh, 
sites links where you can reach out to me and get get directly in contact. And then I'm at uh, at Derek Harvey on Truth Social, and I will have a Twitter handle in the near future. Uh, I need to get one that isn't you know um, eight numbers and some some other uh, character Twitter wants to assign me. Colonel Harvey, thank you so much uh, for your analysis. And by the way, the, one of the best fighters ever against the administrative state. Like you said the other night, you got to know the inside details to make sure that you can take it apart. And you're going to be a huge member of uh, of that, of this fight and Trump's second term. So thank you, sir, for joining us. Take care. Derek Harvey, uh, this thing in Brazil is uh, we're not going to have Tierman on tonight. We had him on earlier. I want everybody to keep checking uh, with Getter, uh, Captain Bannon and um, Grace will be putting up. We're going to do live streams tonight on Brazil. If not, we'll be back on the 10 o'clock show. I want to bring in Jason Jones. Jason, you've seen what's going on in Brazil. You've been all over the world uh, protecting, trying to protect persecuted uh, Christians throughout the world. Um, I want to talk about the event that happened in, in Mexico the other day. But what's your assessment right now on the southern border, El Paso, Texas, massive invasion? It's, it's only going to get worse coming up from South America and from Central America. Your, your thoughts and analysis. Yeah, well, uh, CPAC Mexico was an incredible event. Uh, there were people from across Central and South America, Mexico, the United States, and, and really the world. And what we see is that uh, these ideologies, they would rather have communism in Central and South America. They would rather shatter Mexico than, uh, than, than, than nurture a, flourish, a flourishing community at our border. And I believe it's by design so that we can have labor that we can exploit in a dangerous underground economy. The Mexico CPAC, Steve, was unbelievable. And I'd like to commend CPAC for putting on that event, something that the War Room has done a great job of. Conservatism in Brazil, conservatism in Mexico, conservatism in Hungary looks a lot different than conservatism in the Anglosphere because it's something that's rooted in its tradition and its cultures. And so at CPAC Mexico, it wasn't like a bunch of cheap plastic flowers that were manufactured and bundled together, but really it was like a beautiful bouquet of people that were pushing back against the global administrative state um, that were committed to nurturing genuine humane societies and human flourishing. And if we're going to win, uh, if we're going to defeat the administrative administrative state at home, uh, we're going to need to have allies across the world that are pushing back. And what what I saw at CPAC Mexico gave me a lot of hope. Talk to us about uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe. I, I think it caught the world. Drudge had a link to it. In millions of people. We get, we got a couple of minutes. Walk through. Uh, what this day of celebration is, then well, I want to get you on later talk about the Pope had some very dire warnings, but but the event itself, what it means for Mexico and how big it is. Yeah, it's well, it's the most visited tourist attraction, a destination in the world, which is this Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico City. You know, there it is. As Catholics, we believe that the Blessed Virgin Mary was assumed into heaven. Uh, like Protestants would believe Elijah um, and Enoch were assumed, and Jews would believe Elijah is assumed, and they will come back. We believe the Blessed Virgin Mary was assumed into heaven, and she comes back. In 1519, Cortez on Good Friday landed uh, in, in Mexico, committed to ending human sacrifice. But of course, soldiers then, like soldiers now, uh, you know, uh, they were rough and brutal men uh, that, that, that were putting down human sacrifices, but then committing crimes of their own. On, on, in, fe, in 1531, to an Aztec man, the Blessed Virgin Mary, we as Catholics believe, appeared. And she appeared to him and told him to put roses in her in his tilma, which is a grass skirt, and present it to the bishop, who kind of, Zumarago was a very good man and holy man who fought for the First Nation people, the Indians, the folks there. But, you know, he, the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared to you. She said, put these, give these roses, um, to the bishop is a sign. And as he dropped the roses, this image appeared on the tilma, which is, of course, the, uh, the vision of Mary uh, from the book of Revelations. It's on a grass skirt. A famous artist tried to duplicate this, and he did a very good job. But within 10 years, it completely disintegrated. They don't understand why it still exists, why it has a 98.5 degree temperature, why when you zoom in on the eyes, um, you can see an image of the bishop looking at 
Juan Diego as he dropped the roses from his grass skirt. But as I think that the image of Our Lady on the tilma is a perfect catechism of conservatism. It, it, it shows piety and human dignity. You have a woman, Mary, a person, a creature created by God, but yet she stands on the moon. She's clothed with the stars. The sun is there to light her. She is the most beautiful thing in the created universe. But we, like the Blessed Virgin Mary, are also creatures. We are worth more than the stars, than the moon, than the sun. They exist for us. And that is at the heart of what it is to be a conservative across cultures, uh, an intense uh, respect for the incomparable beauty of the human person. But you also see this creature worth more than the stars and the sun has her head bowed in prayer. She's praying. And that shows that her dignity is linked to her uh, worship of God. Something, Steve, that you've done a better job than anyone in the world on is pointing at the threat of transhumanism. All these ideologies over time, whether it's Nazism, now transhumanism, that say they're going to make us more than human, they make us less than human. And so the tilma is a great vision of our dignity, which is intimately linked to God. Jason, real quickly, your social media, how do people get to you and follow Jason Jones? Uh, my podcast is The Jason Jones Show. Our website is thegreatcampaign.org, and you can stand with us as we stand with the most vulnerable people in the world. Jason Jones, you're a hero. See you tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., folks. Years have proven that we need to be prepared. We constantly see government overreach, attacks on our communication, and energy grid, worldwide conflict, natural disasters, and the never-ending assault on our security and privacy. Having reliable communications is essential. Now, don't get caught without reliable communication. And I'm here to tell you, your fragile cell phone simply won't cut it. It will not cut it. That's why I've partnered with the Satellite Phone Store, so you can stay prepared and assure your vital communication stays private. They're one of America's largest satellite telephone companies with thousands of happy, well-prepared customers. Right now, they have a special promotional offer when you go to sat123.com slash Bannon. That is sat, S-A-T, 123.com slash Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N. Get a free Amerisat satellite phone. 150 monthly minutes, free United States domestic number, and free rollover minutes for only $99.95 plus tax per month with an annual agreement. Now go to SAT, that's SAT123.com, SAT123.com slash Bannon, and get your device today. Don't put it off. Life can change in an instant. That's SAT123.com slash Bannon. Do it today. Take action. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplug Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency.